Uh, just thank God for everything. Thank God for my being here. Thank God for Safe Travels Back. And most importantly, I thank God for you. Thank God for my Salem Church family, for all that you have done to encourage me through my time in New York. It is truly appreciated, and that is truly the strength that I needed to get through my program. As you probably know, New York is a different place for a country boy. It's a very different place. Amen. They serve God a little differently in New York City. Amen. But I'm just thankful to be here. I thank God for my pastor, Pastor Haynes. I thank God for all that you have done and continue to do for me. Thank God for Sister Melissa Brooks. Thank God for everything, all of the check-in text messages. Some of y'all got them, been in college, the check-in messages, just seeing how I'm doing, all of that. I truly appreciate it, it means so much. So I'm just glad to be back. As I told a couple friends, I could just run all of it up and through Metro Atlanta. Just glad to be back. Yes, and we'll leave it at that. Glad to have my mother here. I don't know where she is this time. Wave a hand. Where are you? There she is. How are you? Good to see you. Got to have my mentor, my professor, scholar, preacher, Pastor Dean Lawrence Edward Carter Sr. Please stand. Coming all the way from Lithonia to be here. Good to see you, sir. Always appreciate his support. And my best friend, Minister Joseph Van Jones. I don't know where you are. Stand up. You know I'm going to tell you to stand up. From Atlanta's here and just everybody I may have missed, it's good to see everybody. The Gospel according to St. Matthew. Thank God for all of the volunteers, everybody who's made this day possible, ushers to our children. Give us a hand for our children singing in the choir today. Praising God in their own way. I don't know about you, but I've already heard four good sermons. I don't know what more I can really do, but we thank God for all that we have seen and heard today. Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 16, and we will lift up verse 24 and 25. Matthew chapter 16, familiar passage of scripture, but one that I believe resonates with us today. Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 24, I read from the New Revised Standard Version, but you will find similar words on this wise. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For the sake of emphasis, I lift up again verse 25. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Let us pray. With God, we thank you for the blessing of a brand new day. 
We thank you for the possibility that, rely, that resides in this day and in this moment. We're grateful to be able to gather into sacred space, in sacred community, serving a powerful God. But God, we're especially thankful for the gifts that you have given us in these, your children and these youth. But God, we thank you for their gifts. We thank you for their accomplishments. We thank you for knowing that there is so much more to be done to be earned and to be celebrated. And so we thank you for this day as the start of even more to come. Dear God, we ask now that you decrease key so that we might increase thee. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength, and O Lord, our Redeemer. It is in the name and nature of Jesus the Christ we do pray. Amen. I would that you would think with me and pray with me on this thought from this familiar passage of Scripture, the gospel of least resistance. The gospel of least resistance. I do solicit your prayers. Beloved, it appears that the reality of the human condition is such that we are prone to desiring to take the path of least resistance. Our brains automatically search for the easiest route in any given scenario until we make a decision to choose differently. You see, I learned about the concept of least resistance while toiling through an unusually difficult physics class in college. I could not tell you today what we actually learned or got out of that class other than the realization that science really wasn't my strong suit. But this concept of least resistance that I gleaned from this class has long resonated with me. And at the time in which I learned about it, my young preacher sensibilities perked up. And I knew then that there was some preaching material found somewhere up through here. So as the Spirit of God led me to our text for the morning found in Matthew's account, this idea arrested my homiletical attention once more. You see, Jesus offers a familiar piece of wisdom to his disciples about the necessity and significance of denying oneself in order to follow Jesus. Beloved, I was always enamored with what Jesus was articulating here because frankly, it seemed paradoxical. How in the world does one save their life by deciding to lose their life? And some deep ruminating occurred within me for some time before I understood more fully what Jesus was attempting to say. And I was blessed to get some help in understanding this by one of the foremost theologians of our time, Several years ago, the late James Cone, who served for 50 years as professor of systematic theology at Union Seminary, was posed a question regarding the future of the black church. Dr. Cone was asked what it would take for the black church to succeed in the 21st century, to which Cone pulled his answer from scripture. Cone's response was this, the gospel of Jesus is not a gospel 
of success. The gospel of Jesus is not a gospel of success. I was just as quiet as you are when I heard that. Cone said the gospel of Jesus is a gospel of ultimate success through failure. You see, that's why the cross is at the heart of the gospel. Jesus, to the political and cultural system of his time, failed at Golgotha's hill. But God took that failure and transformed that failure into success. Follow me. And beloved, when we can humble ourselves enough to understand that we come up short daily, when we realize that our lives are fragile components compared to the power of God that works within us, we can then come to terms with the reality that this earthly life we have been granted requires a denial of self that makes room for us to lift up our Savior. You see, the gospel of least resistance appeals to those whose salvation is merely used as a ticket into heaven. The gospel of least resistance is for those who like the idea of a Jesus who works miracles, who protects us from all harm, who provides for our needs, but requires from us no responsibility to follow him and his record of radical love and compassion and care for our neighbor. The gospel of least resistance is for those who want to use religious symbols as political stunt while systematically destroying the lives of the poor and the vulnerable and those most in need of care and support. It's this kind of gospel that is for those enticed by the name of Jesus while ignoring the nature of Jesus. I'll say that again. This kind of gospel is for those enticed by the name of Jesus while ignoring the nature of Jesus. You see, it's so convenient to claim the name Jesus without embodying the nature of Jesus. You see, embodying the nature of Jesus, beloved, requires us to deny what we think we know, to check how we act, to rethink how we interact with our neighbor, and have the courage to pick up a cross and follow him. You see, the interesting thing is that you don't need to go running or searching for a cross to pick up. The song says there's a cross for who? Everyone. And we can only carry the cross when we decide to stop monopolizing the victory of the resurrection while not fully understanding or appreciating the fact that it took a cross to get there. If we merely choose to keep the cross at a distance, we risk losing the opportunity to realize the fact that the cross is still a very necessary component of our lives. You see, we can easily glorify the cross because we see it as a tool of success. The reality is, however, that the cross was a violent mechanism for the survival of an institution of unjust power. That is the reason our Savior was killed. 
He was the enemy of the Roman state. He resisted the power structures of a regressive regime. He resisted the norms of the religious and socioeconomic system, which was oppressive and exclusionary. He practiced radical compassion and care and concern for those who were otherwise overlooked and ostracized. He was not afraid to take those to task who sat back and implemented policies which attacked the poor and the vulnerable. In other words, Jesus was not working to make America great again. He was not working for those who espouse a twisted desire for racial supremacy. Jesus was working on behalf of immigrant children who run towards safety but are met with aluminum pallets and perverted government security officials who detain them in cages. Jesus was working on behalf of black men and women left vulnerable to state violence. Jesus was working on behalf of black and brown children who dis disproportionately get left behind in our nation's schools. Jesus was working on behalf of those who need health care knowing that it is a right and not a privilege. Jesus was working against those who seem to care nothing about the environment, but who apparently know everything about women's bodies. But all of this sent Jesus to an old cross. All of this earned Jesus a formal state execution. Jesus showed us what it looks like to resist dominant power structures. And the state had all the trimmings at that cross to signal to witnesses what it looks like to resist these power structures. You see, beloved, few people like to talk about a radical Jesus who actually addressed political issues because few people want to take up this kind of cross. God deliver me from those people not interested in taking up this cross. Help me to be vigilant of those who want the whole world at the expense of their own soul. Be careful of these kinds of people, beloved. Be careful of those who are afraid of failure. And that's really all I came to tell somebody this morning is that I pray you have the faith to fail. We have graduates in the room and we're thanking God for their success and all that they will do. And our message to the graduates this morning is to not be afraid of failure. There are too many people in our society who are so afraid of failure that they go after success by any means possible. Don't become so attuned to success that you forget that in our finiteness, that in our tangibleness, that we are prone to failure. But don't let that deter you from remembering the ultimate success found in Christ our Savior. You see, the present picture of our society shows us what it looks like to have the power to gain the whole wide world 
while simultaneously losing their soul. Government leadership has shown clear signs of moral ineptitude, a clear lack of a moral compass, shucking and jiving for a man who has no sense of his own self, nor the country he is leading. He has played to the panic and ego of a segment of our population, fearful of diversity and inclusion fearing anything different from what from themselves and what they know to be as the good old days. We are in a state of moral chaos and crisis. But I'm glad this morning. I'm glad that even in this, there is some good news. I'm glad that the good news is we have a Christ for our crisis. Somebody's going to help me. We have a Christ who still works in our chaos. We have a God who sees divinity in the dirt. Who knows a hope in our hell. Who can see art in the ashes. Who can see creativity in our confusion. We serve a God who can work a miracle in our mess. And so I'm glad this morning. I'm glad this morning that I serve this kind of God. I'm glad this morning that there's a God who sees the possibility in our paradox. Who can take extraordinariness out of an ordinary situation. This is the kind of God that I serve. And so I go to my seat telling you this, that you have to deny yourself in order to follow Jesus. That means that you need to lose yourself in all of the chaos that's going around. Lose yourself. I declare that you got to lose yourself. Lose what you thought you could not accomplish. Lose the comparisons of yourself to others. Lose the feelings of doubt and shame. Lose the fear of uncertainty. Lose the notions of mediocrity. Lose the notion that you are lazy and unproductive. Lose yourself. And not only lose yourself, but lose yourself in the master. You see, when we lose ourselves, beloved, Jesus can step in and fill us up with his glory and power. When we lose ourselves, Jesus can do a good work. He can do a good work and a better work in our lives. So I'm glad this morning I packed my stuff up, hopped on a plane from New York, all the way back down to the red clay hill of Atlanta, knowing that if I just lose myself, that God would pick me up he would bring me what I need. He would bless me with what I need. He would give me what I desire. And so that is my prayer to you today. Somebody's going to leave here with the testimony that when you lose yourself, God can step in with a breakthrough. When you lose yourself, God can step in with a miracle. When you lose yourself, God can step in with peace of mind. When you lose yourself, and step back from all that you thought you could accomplish. 
Step back from all you thought that you could not accomplish. God will show you what it is that he's desiring for you to have in your life. I'm glad this morning that I serve a God who in my weakness is my strength. I'm glad this morning that there is a God who steps in when the road looks rough, when the going good's tough. I'm glad this morning that there is a God who went after all I have done, after all I think I can do. God steps in and he turns it around when I'm up against the battle of my enemy. God will step in and he will settle the dust that the devil tried to throw in your path. I said he'll settle the dust that the devil tried to throw in your path. So at the end of the day, when all is said and done, your testimony will be after you got your breakthrough, after you got your blessing, after you got your miracle, after you got your peace of mind, after you got your financial blessing, all you can say is, it was nobody but God who was on my side. It was nobody but God who stepped in to a broken situation. It was nobody but God who walked with me in the storm. It was nobody but God who walked with me through the rain. It was nobody but God who stepped in when other folks were plotting for my failure. It was nobody but the Lord on my side. And so I leave you with that this morning. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of coming up short. God is stepping in right now. He's doing it right now. So in the final analysis, when folks have written their books and told their story and talked about their blessing and talked about what God did for them, all you have to say is, it was nobody but God who was on my side. I feel like the songwriter, be not dismayed. Whatever betide, why? Because God will, not God might, not God may, God will take care of you. Come what may, God will take care of you through every day, through all the way. God will take care of you reminded of my grandmother who sat back in her seat at the Rock Hill Missionary Baptist Church of Oxford, Mississippi 38655 she sat back in that seat with her hands clasped like this and her eyes closed and all she said was walk with me Lord Walk with me, walk with me, Lord, walk with me while I'm on this tedious.
just journey. I, 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 I need Jesus to walk with me.